Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert Agraf, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the fifth episode of Food Systems. Today, we're talking to Alexander El Alawi, an independent advisor in sustainable investment. Uh, he's also a senior advisor for impact investing at the F20 Network, the investment lead at Cooler Future, and also the vice chair uh, of the Arts and Nature Social Club, a varied and rich uh, history in sustainable investing. And certainly, it's very timely. The German government has just launched a 10 billion uh, euro green bond for infrastructure and research. Exxon has been kicked out of the Dow index. Uh, China is launching its own cap and trade system this year. And post-corona and the financial crisis, the world is flooded with more money than we thought possible in the next in the last 20 years. So what better time to talk about sustainable investment than with Alexander? Alexander, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Robert. Thank you for coming. Uh, as a brief introduction, can you explain to our audience uh, what is sustainable finance? How do you see it? I mean, frankly, um, sustainable finance can mean everything and nothing. Um, it has been around for, I guess, more than 20 years now in Europe. Um, and obviously, it had lived through different fluctuations uh, when, when it comes to the definition. For me personally, um, I would frame sustainable investment as an attempt um, as an attempt to generate returns uh, the same way we did over the past 50 years uh, in financial theory, uh, while at the same time uh, not harming the environment, uh, societies, global wealth and these issues. And ideally, and this has been a new discussion, a new trend, uh, if you will, ideally you want to, to create positive impact uh, on the world at the same time. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, as as I said, the the debate has been has been quite uh, vivid and um, uh, fluctuated a little bit over the past twenty years. But generally speaking, it has remained the same. You want to link finance with the good, um, to put it in a nutshell. Okay, I think that's a good starting point. I think you and I could spend a very long time delving deeply into it. But let's take a more practical side. With your experience, how would you shape? an investment fund, a sustainable investment fund? You know, to, to cite Simon Sinek, uh, as, as who, whom you might know, um, the question or, I mean, you always should start with why. Um, what, what do you want to achieve uh, with, with your money? What specific purpose does the money uh, that you invest serve? Uh, do you want to sort of maximize um, uh, returns? Do you want to maximize impact? Do you have a, soul, a certain uh, sort of ecological goal that you want to achieve? Do you look more at social issues? Um, do you prefer thematic investing? Uh, do you want to be exposed to new industries, to new sectors, to new countries, to new trends? Or do you rather you know, want to reshape existing uh, business models? So 
start with why and then go over to what and then you set up a fund it's quite easy so basically let's say you know let's say you uh, want to stay um, invested in the old world um, be exposed to large cop uh, large cap companies uh, globally diversified you would start with an investment universe for example you know the msci world uh, which basically captures uh, the global economic system um, to put it crudely in a sense and then you basically would uh, include at top of this universe a sustainability filter, which is basically designed um, to uh, to match your to match your specific sustainability profile. Um, so let's say, for example, you know you want to focus on on, on the climate goals, on on Paris alignment. Um, so then, in that case, you would include a CO two footprint uh, filter at top of that universe, um, something like this. So start with why uh, would be the easiest uh, way to, to tackle your question. Okay, at least in my understanding, there is a balance that you can make that you can say, well, I could get, I can do this, this sort of tracker fund overlaid with climate goals, but maybe that doesn't earn me quite as much money as I could in, let's say in the next six months by investing in oil and gas or the arms industry or another industry that broadly speaking, we would say is not in alignment with uh, environmental and social goals. So is there always a trade-off between higher returns uh, and in unsustainable trading? Or do you have to accept a slightly lower return if you want to be more ethical? In other words, does being ethical cost you money? I mean, I guess this has been one of the most contested questions and, and debates over the past 20 years or so. Um, the general answer would be no. You don't have to sacrifice on returns when investing sustainably. Um, there has been one meter study published by the University of Hamburg. I think that was two years ago. And what they did was to basically look at um, a variety of, I think in total it was 2,000 2, studies uh, uh, published globally who looked at the correlation between return and sustainability. And what they found is either it has no impact at all, so basically it's neutral, uh, you would say you would earn or lose the same money with sustainable investment than with non-sustainable investment, or uh, there has has actually been a, a slight sort of uh, a, a slightly stronger positive correlation, saying that you actually earn more money when investing sustainably. And the reason for that is actually quite uh, quite simple. Um, as as indicated in the example before, what you usually do with sustainable investing is that you um, you minimize your universe that you're exposed to. And whenever you, uh, you, you minimize sort of the investing universe, um, uh, the single bets that you're making with each investing uh, investment is, is, is getting larger, right? So the chances for you to outperform a non-traditional, uh, sorry, a, a traditional or non-sustainable uh, portfolio is actually, um, is actually positive. The chances are, are increasing. Um, so that would be the easiest, uh, 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 most straightforward answer to say, if there is any correlation, it truly is positive. If you look at the uh, opposite example, I mean, there had been various cases over the past three years, which showed that um, when you invest non-sustainably, the chances of you uh, to lose money actually increase. When you look at the oil industry, uh, obviously also during Corona due to the oil price shock and, and these type of things. If you look at the coal industry, if you look at 
um, single companies that had been exposed to, you know, reputational risks like Volkswagen, for example. Um, those examples would show you that investing non-sustainably actually uh, minimizes the returns. Um, again, you know, as a disclaimer, this is more of a general observation. Of course, there is, you know, pros and cons and, and, and different developments to both sides. But as a general observation, the correlation is actually uh, a trending positive. There's also another sort of stream of thought that says, in general, what we have experienced over the last 30, 40 years is a shift into profit maximization, return for, for shareholders in particular. And that has not given us, in terms of sustainability, has not given us positive results. Um, if you saw that in the 1980s, we were already, that was when the big first climate change warnings came out and essentially the stock market didn't really care about that fundamentally. Is there not a sort of certain irony in trusting that the very systems of fast moving money and capitalism that some would argue have delivered us into a lot of the current catastrophes are now expected to save us? So in a sense, what you're asking is, is the right life in the wrong one? Uh, or can you uh, sort of use capitalism to save capitalism in a sense? <laughs> I guess my answer would be yes. First of all, there's a variety of capitalism or variety of, of capitalist system. So capitalism as such or per se doesn't exist as a whole literature uh, on that, which is super interesting. So basically, I mean, Norway and the United States are both capitalist systems, but they differ quite substantially, I would argue. And then secondly, I think one, one of the key findings of, of the literature uh, was also to say that capitalist, capitalism as such is neutral. Um, it isn't good or bad, it's neutral. And what these activist investors have tried to do is basically use um, the systems uh, of capitalism or the, the mechanics, uh, but basically reverse, reverse them uh, to fit their goals. I can give you one example uh, from, my, from my own past work. Um, a couple of years back, I had been involved in a legal case. Um, we set up one of the first climate litigation cases uh, in the world. Um, we supported a Peruvian farmer who was suing RWE, which is, uh, uh, I, I guess, uh, Europe's largest utility company, on the grounds of climate change, uh, arguing that this company has actually negatively impacted his livelihood, um, uh, his surrounding, uh, um, his home, um, due to the climate damages that emissions created. So he put this case um, with our help in front of a German court. And when the court actually accepted that case, and it was the first time in legal history, actually, that same day, um, the share price of RWE, you know, went down 2%. That was equal to a couple of hundred million euros market capitalization. So in a sense, what this example showed is that, you know, it was a case of, of, of well, not of investor engagement, but of activism um, using the legal system and the capitalist system to bring about change. Um, but that being said, though, um, I don't want to be too naive. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk of, you know, engagement and, and investor activism and proxy voting and, and those type of things. And at the same time, you know, there hadn't been much business cases uh, that changed fundamentally, fundamentally only due to investor engagement. So, yes, um, it's one uh, sort of uh, 
item of action you 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 can you can use you can trigger but certainly not not alone and i guess for the capitalist system to um to change in a way that it actually you know supports the climate goals or the sustainability agenda uh, that goes a long way okay i wanted to turn now to um the topic of this this podcast the the food <laughs> system um if i asked you how to create an investment fund that would sort of focus on getting nice returns, um, but also boosting sustainability in, in the food system. How would you go about building something or what would your sort of prime targets for, for investments be today or in the next 12 months? Generally speaking, I guess sustainability and the same is here true for the food system is a function of asset class, right? So I would ask the investor, what type of company that he or she wants to invest in. Um, so turn it to the, to the food system. Uh, I was involved in an in a, in a, in a interesting project uh, in Tanzania, a farming uh, project where basically people try to uh, use solar panels um, and the shadow that those solar panels provide to basically uh, cultivate certain crops that are shadow sensitive. Um, fantastic idea, right? So that would would have been direct investment. So we here talking more about, you know, private equity venture capital. If you now talk, you know, about an investment fund that anyone basically can access, a so-called usage uh, investing fund. So we're talking about, you know, uh, liquid asset classes, multi-asset, global equity, global bonds. Obviously, here you would be looking at a different type of company. So to answer your question, I would ask or actually ask back, you know, is it that you want to reshape an established industry? Uh, uh, global players in the food system. Uh, so then I would basically build a, a monothematic fund around these companies. I don't want to name names, but uh, let's say the, the big ones in the, in the food industry. And then use sort of uh, um, my voting rights or the voting rights of the investors to basically, you know, leverage change. Um, if, however, my or the investor's goal was to basically, you know, support local industries, support new farming models, um, for example, I've, I've been involved in various projects, you know, um, uh, um, uh, looking at vertical farming and indoor farming. Um, here you have also very, very interesting opportunities. However, the, the fund um, uh, sort of vehicle would, would be different. So there, there wouldn't be a one-size-fits-all strategy or fund vehicle. It really much depends on the asset class on the type of company, on the type of ownership that you want to basically also uh, to, uh, to, to, um, uh, yeah, to establish um, and, uh, and, and to your wishes. Again, start with why. You know, if, if your goal is to turn global supply changes re regional, uh, I guess I would be looking rather at these more innovative uh, business models and build a fund around them. Um, there are actually a couple of interesting venture capitalist funds, VC funds, looking um, uh, monothematically um, on the food uh, industry. Uh, actually, there's a new fund currently being created here in Europe as well, looking at precisely these new ventures and ideas and business models. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's try to sort of flesh that out a little bit. As you say, you need to you, you need to pick an industry or a corner of the food system to, to focus on um, because you cannot just spread your money thinly everywhere because then you don't create the impact that you need. So if you were investing your own money, where in the next, maybe not even 12 months, let's say five years, where do you see in the food system? Where do you see the most 
opportunity for investment returns and sustainability? Is it waste reduction? Is it creating energy on farms? Is it uh, more sustainable consumer behavior? Where would you put your money? I met this very interesting entrepreneur last week at one of the largest institutional investor conferences here in Germany. And he basically asked me the question, you know, why, why should you you know, buy apples that had been shipped from Australia or like uh, the same way, you know, why would you buy salmons that have basically been uh, produced in a sense in, in Chile? And, and, and what he proposed and what he's actually currently doing is um, a project or a company where he basically, you know, turns the global supply chain region, as I said, and, and he is now producing salmon uh, just outside the doors of Berlin, which is well, counterintuitive, right? I mean, if you if you think about salmons, you think about uh, Alaska and, 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 and Norway and these these regions in Chile. No, you, you don't think <laughs> about the German plains when you, you think about salmon. You, you you usually don't think about that. And then, but it's possible, you know, in these big tanks and um, and, and 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 you know, if you create the right flow of water, they these salmons actually produce mussels and they have a, a way a sort of lighter share of fat um, in their body. So all these positive characteristics um, and, you know, linking that with the nexus or basically sort of bridging that to where the consumers are, consumers are in, uh, in urban areas such as Berlin. Uh, they want to eat these things. In particular, salmon has been one of the, you know, over-demanded uh, food uh, products, but they want to they want to use it also, or they want to eat it also. You know, um, uh, with with the with the knowledge that it hasn't been basically shipped over the globe. And so, but what he basically um, has been then proposing to this investor conference was to say, you know, here's an idea, invest into that. Um, let's not talk about the vehicle, but the idea is actually quite quite straightforward. I thought. Okay. That's that's. I think we're all going to get into uh, big salmon then in the next uh, couple of years. <laughs> Why not? Um, let's turn to what the EU is currently doing. So the EU is currently working on a sustainable finance agenda, which is a policy response to a number of the things that we've just been been talking about. And I think it's too big an agenda to fully go through all the the items. But one that piqued my interest was this idea of a taxonomy of investment, by which they mean to say they will give preference and greater regulatory, easier regulatory approval. Um, to investments that are categorized as as green or sustainable, mm -hmm. and investments that are lower on that list, let's say uh, you know building a new uh, coal-fired energy station power station, would be much lower on that taxonomy. Does something like that make sense to you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, first first of all, you know, the EU with with this plan is the largest economic area or region in the world to put forward such an idea. And it basically is a reaction to to one of the biggest problems in sustainable investing is terminology. Um, you know, you have all these different acronyms: uh, sustainability, ESG, um, I don't know, PRI, uh, impact, carbon, Paris line, temperature line, all these type of things. And frankly speaking, there's a lot of greenwashing in the market. So basically, every virtually every asset manager now says, you know, they have ESG and sustainability sort of in their DNA and, and, and all that. And what the EU is doing is basically proposing a taxonomy, which is a different word for harmonization of terminology. Um, and what the EU tries to do with that or tries to achieve is to basically define what means green. 
And this is actually a very, very difficult uh, proposition. If you look at ESG funds, and we talked um, in the beginning about, you know, how would I set up such a fund? Um, what becomes critical is to understand that ESG is recategorizing existing assets. Sorry. Just for our listeners, uh, by ESG, you mean environmental, social and governance investing, right? Absolutely. Sorry. Yes. So basically, you know, for me, I, I use sustainability and ESG interchangeably um, in a sense. But so what, what you're usually doing is sustainable investing or ESG investing is recategorizing existing assets. Uh, so you take, you know, an existing uh, universe and you recategorize it, um, you narrow it down and you recategorize it, but you don't change necessarily uh, the assets behind. And I think what the what the European Union is trying to do is actually, you know, um, tackling this challenge by first defining what's green and what's not. And then secondly, also incentivizing um, not only the creation of green assets, but then also sort of the, the refunneling of, of global capital. And by the way, the Paris Agreement actually demands that. Um, the Paris Agreement Article 2.1 reads that we have to reshift or shift away uh, global capital flows from brown uh, sort of assets to green assets in a magnitude of $17 trillion. So this is actually an excellent uh, sort of um, regulatory proposal. It has to be fleshed out. Uh, there had, had been a lot, lots of you know, con contestation around, um, is it enough? Um, um, is it overregulated? Is it you know, too much of soft regulation? So, so obviously, you know, uh, opinions change or, or differ. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that's a fantastic approach. I think that is certainly very interesting and something that we have to keep a close eye on as, as this agenda develops. We're coming up on the end of the, the podcast and something that we do for every episode is that we ask everybody who comes on to give us in very short answer your one solution to a more sustainable food system. And I'm going to ask you the same question. What would your one answer from this world of finance for a more sustainable food system be? To turn to consumers. It sounds simple and naive, but really to turn to consumers and actually react to their demands. Uh, I think, you know, uh, urban consumers, they, they want to have the same access to food and to globally produced food um, as, as every generation before, but they want to do this with a clear um, understanding that uh, that doesn't come at the cost of, well, the health of the planet. So the example I provided before would actually be um, one that I would use to answer this question to say, you know, turn global supply chains regionally where, where it is applicable. I, I guess it's a hard challenge, but uh, there are things that have proven, you know, successful. So, yes, turn an open ear to the, to the end consumer, as simple as it sounds. That sounds simple, but as always, these things contain multitudes. Uh, Alexander El Alawi, Independent Advisor in S Sustainable Investment, thank you very much for joining Food Systems today. Thank you very much, Robert. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Frag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day.